Good evening, everyone. It's lovely to be talking to real people in a real room. And hello to anyone who's watching on the live stream. Shout out to any of my friends here watching. Um, my name is Chantel. I'm one of the leaders here at church. Um, and this week was a special week in our household because Paul and I celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. Thank you. We picked a good year because if you pick the year 2000, you never forget how many years you're married because, you know, 2021 and all that. So, you know, I was looking through my phone for like nice photos, you know, of the two of us to mark the year that's passed. And the only ones I could find were us all bundled up out for walks, mostly with woolly hats on, which was actually quite good to cover up the lockdown gray hair. <laughs> well, my gray hair, not Paul's. Or the other photos that I could find were like us doing stuff like this, recording church. So like they were the only two types of photos I could find pretty much of us two this year. And it just made me think about the year that's passed. And it's safe to say it wasn't the year that we expected. It's not been the year or it's over a year now that any of us have expected. And COVID has changed so much in our lives. And for many of us, it's caused us to reevaluate so much about our lives. And I was chatting to someone this week and we were just saying, you know, it. it it has made us think about what are the important things in life, what's really important to us. You know, so as we ask those questions personally, as we reflect on this past year that's been so different and try to make sense of it, we're also doing the same as that in church. You know, in Carrick Fergus Vineyard Church, you know, what we believe hasn't changed, you know, who we are, our values, you know, that hasn't suddenly changed. But I do think some of the ways that they are worked out have changed, should change, and will be different. So we've been talking about this idea of the invitation. And the invitation, as we've said, is from Jesus to come follow me and to make disciples. And as a church, the invitation is to journey that together and to work out what that means for us at Carrick Fergus Vineyard. So last week, Paul was sharing about one of our values, which is community. And he was inviting us to reimagine and to be creative for us as individuals and as the whole church. What does that mean? What does that look like to love one another, to spur one another on, to be hospitable? You know, who are you inviting into your life and creating community with? And whenever he was talking about community last week, it really came into my head, you know, kind of the one of the essences of our church, which we've said from the very beginning of 10 years ago, come as you are. We need to come as we are in community. I feel like that is something that God is saying to us as we come out of this time of lockdown and this time of like total change. In community, come as you are. And I was reading this thing um, that this lady called Sarah Bessie wrote, and it was talking about, you know, sometimes we compare ourselves at times like this, you know, what's happened in our lives, what's happened in someone else's. And she was saying, there is no competition. Your heart is hard. And she said, it's simple and true. We don't need to play the pandemic hardship Olympics. Everyone has been dealing with something. And just because someone else had it harder 
didn't mean that your hard still wasn't hard. And sometimes we can downplay our own grief or suffering because we know it could be worse or it could be harder or someone else is suffering really deeply. And we're trying to be, we're trying to show empathy, but it leads us to pretend that we're fine or shrug off our suffering or what's been hard for us. So your hard was also hard and it's okay to admit that. So I'm encouraging you all off the back of what Paul said that this week, last week, when you're in community, come as you are. If you're in life group, if you're with a friend, if you're on a WhatsApp group, if you're just talking one-to-one, -one, if you're out for a walk in text, come as you are. Be real, be honest about what's going on, about what that feels like, and listen to the other person and what, what was hard for them. So come as you are, come as you are in community. And the invitation tonight is to come as we are in worship. I want to talk to you about worship tonight because it's such an important value for us in Carrick Fergus Vineyard Church. And we can come as we are in worship before God. In Hebrews 10, 19, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and then in 2 Corinthians 3, it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We can have confidence. We can come before the Lord with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. Think about that verse Think about you standing there looking and God looking back at you. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about his gaze upon you? I remember this one time I went to this um, prayer thing and um, loads of us went up for prayer. And this lady like, who was praying for me said to me, lift up your head. Because I was like that. She said, Lift up your head and imagine God is looking at you. He loves you. And it was kind of a significant moment for me. And we can come as we are, not because of what we've done, but because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice, because he gave his life for us on the cross, because he died and rose again. So in worship, we encounter God, and we're gathered into the community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So think about that for a moment, the three aspects, or the three persons of the Trinity. You know, Jesus, we center ourselves around Jesus, the Son of God. He is the reason we can come to the Father. The Holy Spirit, we're led by the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit by his power. And the Father, we experience the presence of our Father God. And we respond to, we're embraced by him. And that's straight from the Bible. In Romans 8, 15 and 16, it says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And that's what we sang just now. Well, you didn't sing. That's what these guys sang just now. You know, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm a child of God. I'm surrounded by the arms of the Father. 
And uh, this week on Facebook, I asked a question, um, what does worship mean to you? Just to, you know, to hear what some people thought. And thank you to the people who replied or emailed me. I had some beautiful replies, and sorry, I, can't, I won't be able to say all of them tonight. But one person said, worship means to me my father coming close. Someone else said, forgetting all else and losing myself in his presence. So according to the Bible, what is worship? There's the most common words translated worship in the Bible mean to kneel or to lay face down before someone in an act of reverence. So biblical worship is acknowledging God as the king and then we live our lives out of that according to that truth. And in the New Testament, the most common word translated worship in Greek is proskuneo, which means to come towards, to kiss. And there's a closeness there, an intimacy, and it just reminded me of that, you know, come as you are with unveiled faces, we can come close to God. And in the Old Testament in Hebrew, the word is shaka, I'm not sure if I've pronounced that right, but it means to bow down in homage. So both those words in the Bible and the Hebrew and the Greek mean the same thing, to bow down, to lay one's face to the ground. It's acknowledging God's glory. He is so wonderful. He is worthy of our full allegiance and our devotion. And of course, the word worship in English means to ascribe worth to something, to acknowledge something is so worthy. So we just want to read to you now Psalm 95, 1 to 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you would, if only you would hear his voice. So God is a great God. His name is above every other name. He is the creator of the universe. So how do we respond to his power, his majesty, his splendor, the sacrifice of his son, his great love for us? We respond by bowing down in worship, by kneeling before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are his people. We worship because God is worthy. So I believe worship is a sacrifice. We sacrifice in response to God's sacrifice for us. And someone else shared um, with me, to them worship means giving my all to one greater than me. And again, that's straight from the Bible, Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And this always makes me think of the wonderful hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, and the wonderful line, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. So you see, there's a divine exchange going on here. We worship because he is worthy, because of his sacrifice. And then we're called to lay down our lives in sacrifice to our God. God. 
And you know, so much happens when we worship. Through worship, we gain freedom. We sang it. We, we heard it. <laughs> I'm no longer a slave to fear. We gain freedom. We know we're loved. We receive our true identity from the Father. We experience joy. We're refreshed. We're restored. We bring glory to God. We release blessing. We do what we are created to do. I could say loads more of what happens in worship and give you verses for them all, but I'd keep you here all night. But I wanted to focus on a couple of things personally that I love about worship. In worship, we can draw near to God in times of joy and celebration and in times of grief and sorrow. James 4 verse 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. And there's been different times during my life when I felt so sad when I just didn't understand why something was happening, when people I love and I myself were suffering. And in those times, for me, worship has been a place where God is close. Worship songs have spoken to me so deeply in those times of anguish. And we see that in the Psalms, don't we? Time and time again, we see heart cries to God, where people are coming, coming as they are, to God with their questions, their pain, their desperation. And Psalm 34 verse 18 says, God is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I just wanted to say to anyone here tonight, if you're in that place, either in this room or if you're watching live or you're watching later, you can draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It might not even be with songs or words. It might be with tears. It might be with groans or just emptiness. But God will hear the cries of your heart. Brian Houston from Hillsong Worship said, Worship is like medicine. It soothes the soul and heals the heart. So God can bring healing to us as we worship. As we come before him with honesty and vulnerability, he meets us there. He has compassion on us. He comforts us. He can bring healing as we pour out our hearts to him. And someone else from church shared this with me about worship. It makes me light up on the inside. It brings me hope and comfort. It's not just music either, although for me it mainly is. It's looking at nature and being blown away by its beauty. Worship is when I feel most connected to God, like when your heart is at its most exposed, vulnerable, and open. So worship is an intimate thing. That's part of our DNA in the Vineyard Church. It's how the Vineyard Church was born, and it's a key value of our worship. In Vineyard Values book, it says, intimacy with God is the primary destination for us as we worship. We draw near to God, and he draws near to us. As we encounter his presence in worship, we cultivate a deep connection with him. Intimacy is not a musical style or a tone of voice. It's a posture of our hearts. And our friend Harmony Smith from Belfast Vineyard said this in the book, I first encountered vineyard worship in a small group in university. I was completely undone by the intimacy in the worship. It was so simple and so authentic, just a guy on a guitar singing love songs to Jesus. And yet the presence of God in the room was thick and nearly tangible. It was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. That encounter with Jesus changed everything for me. I was never the same again. 
I love that description. <laughs> For me, there's been so many times in worship when I've encountered Jesus. He's been close when I felt brokenhearted. And at other times, he's broken my heart for people and situations and places. And one of the songs we sing in church is called Hosanna, and a line in it is this, break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. So in worship, God can speak to us. He can cause us to weep and cry, to pray, to shout out, to intercede, to stand on the gap for someone else. And as we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, lay our lives down, the overflow of the worship is we become a people who show Jesus' love to the world around us and we share his heart and we live it out. So times of worship for me personally have been so powerful, emotional moving as I encounter the presence of God, experience the Father's love, center myself around Jesus and am filled by the Holy Spirit. But probably you're sitting there going, well, that's all very good, Chantel, but what about this last year? If worship's so special in that way, what about when we haven't been able to gather together as a church? What about when we haven't been able to sing? Like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm like biting my tongue or my lips not to sing because I just really want to sing in the worship. It's really hard not to. I have to stop myself. And um, Vineyard Worship have this series on YouTube um, where Harmony from Belfast Vineyard is asking this question, what is worship? And I was listening to one recently with this lady called Sylvia, who's part of Causeway Coast Vineyard, and she's also a singing teacher. So they were bringing this really unique perspective on this. Her own story, Sylvia's, was fascinating of how God had healed brokenness in her and changed her life through singing. And she was explaining that as a singing teacher, this is going to sound counterintuitive, but sometimes she would tell her students not to sing. Instead, just to play an instrument or just to listen, to even mouth the words without the sound, or to hear the lyrics in their head and not actually use their voice. And this is apparently a, a, something about neuroscience, that if you do that and you don't actually let the words come out of your mouth in song, you will employ more nerve and muscle tissue and your body will respond to the music in a different way. So for example, in worship, it can take you to a different territory, a different, a deep place of interaction with God. Um, whenever she was saying all that, it did cause me to think, you know, when we were able to sing and be together, like how often when you are just standing in the room with loads of people worshiping and singing, like you might sing the words of the songs automatically, like especially if you know them really well. You know, you, you might just sing them and not even think about the words you're singing. So I was thinking of the song, um, you know, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet would ever wander. Like loads of us love that song, right? But think about the words of that song. Like we really want to be led to a place where our trust is stretched. We're saying, let me walk upon the water. That is physically impossible, right? We cannot walk upon water. So we're asking God to lead us to a place that is impossible to survive without him. So whenever you really think about the words, what are we asking God? What are we saying to God? It's quite radical. Think about the words we're singing. 
So when we don't sing, if we allow ourselves, we might perceive things and hear them in a deeper way and experience a more profound layer. So I was trying to do that there when we were worshiping, although part of me wanted to sing. I was just trying to really focus on the words and think about them and think, God, what are you saying to me? And then they posed this question that really took me aback in, in the interview. They said, when the time comes to sing again, when we can, what are we coming back to that place with? And that really made me think again. You know, we might have developed faith in ways we didn't even realize. We might have used spiritual muscles that weren't being used, that will have grown. And when we can sing again, we're going to be bringing all that, all that we've experienced during this time, during this time of complete change, our memories, our experiences, our pain, our joy, our grief, compassion, all that God has shown us in this time, we're going to be bringing that to that place of worship. And you know, Sylvia shared in this video, in this time of lockdown, a time of reflecting, a time of not singing, a time of not being together in community, Jesus has extended compassion he walks through our feet. He expresses love and care through our hands. He looks through our eyes. He beats with our heartbeat. So when I prepare a meal for my family or if I give a meal to someone else, I'm worshiping Jesus. He functions through us, and that's a different level of worship. You know, if we offer a glass of water to another in Jesus' name, that glass of water could be a profound moment for someone that singing can't reach. Yet for me personally and for many of us, it's a grief to lay down that form of worship and singing in that way. But don't underestimate the silence. Don't underestimate that place to find your voice, your life, your faith. And when I was thinking about this, it made me think of many of you, of your worship as you've reached out to your neighbor, as you've helped your kids struggling with homeschooling and not seeing their friends. If, as you've sent that text to tell someone you were praying for them in serving others. And someone else from church shared about what worship meant to them. It's the thin place where heaven feels a breath away. Not just singing, though. Sometimes serving can feel like worship. It's giving of my time, my me to God. So as we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, this is our true and proper worship. What's God honing in this secret place, in this hidden place, in this quiet place, in this time that is so different to anything we've ever known before? And she encouraged us to look at creation, the night skies declaring the glory of God. And isn't it true that so many of us have taken more time in this last season to experience God through nature? We've found places on our doorstep we didn't know any existed. Someone else from church shared, as someone who struggles with faith, worship for me is those blissful moments when sheer wonder and beauty floods my mind and senses with all it is God and I don't have to try. Today, this was early morning in the garden, just listening to the birds and being amazed at how things grow. And another time is, when, is singing close harmonies. It gives me chills. These times are God moments when I'm fully present, immersed, and in awe. 
So though this time has been hard for so many of us, let's look for beauty in the ashes. I just want to kind of finish with this beautiful picture Sylvia had, which really spoke to me. I probably won't be able to mime it out, but you'll get the idea. It's like God has us in his bow, like drawing an arrow. When you draw an arrow back, can you imagine that point when you draw the arrow back and you're about to launch the bow? I don't even know if that's the proper technical term. I need someone who's into archery, but... Imagine that, that there's a complete tension there. But when you let that arrow go, imagine what will happen. So at the moment, she was talking about worship. You know, it's like we're, we're ready to go, but we can't quite do it. We're not allowed. What will it be like when we can sing again? What will it be like when we bring all that to God that he's worked so deeply in this last season? in this time of suffering and change across the whole world, but also made me think of community, what Paul shared last week. You know, at the moment, we can't operate in all the fullness of what we want to do. And I was imagining that bow and arrow again. It's like it's pulled back and there's so much more we want to be able to do. Imagine what's going to happen when that arrow gets released from the bow. And I'm not saying we can't live our lives for God now or we're all on hold or anything like that, but there are restrictions. Imagine what it's going to be like when we can worship fully, when we can be in community, when we don't have to sit apart, when we can hug for those who like that, when we can just be together. Let's imagine and expect to be so much more than before, even better, immeasurably more. So maybe some of you are sitting here or you're watching and you're thinking what is she talking about you know maybe you haven't experienced worship in that way before when you're drawn near to Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit and experience the Father's love like maybe intimacy and worship is a new idea for you or maybe you're missing it a lot but really when it comes down to the essence it is all about Jesus it's what the guy sang earlier, Jesus, only you. You're the one that I adore. You're the one that I adore. So here is the invitation to you guys this evening. I want you to take a moment now to think about that question. What does worship mean to you? What does worship mean to you? If you want to, you can close your eyes and have a moment to think about it. What does worship mean to you? Maybe imagine you're writing it down on a piece of paper or your journal. And if you feel comfortable, I really want to encourage you in the next few days or this week, share that with someone you trust, with a friend, with talk, talk to them about worship, talk about what worship means to you and listen to what worship means to them. Maybe share it in life group if you're part of a life group in the next week or so. What does worship mean to you? And the next part of the invitation is to ask you, 
Is there something your heart longs for in worship? As you encounter the presence of God, maybe you long to experience the Father's love. Maybe you want to center yourself around Jesus. Maybe you want to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You can just allow him to do that now. And finally, another part of the invitation, as we finish with worship now, when the band comes to sing songs, I want you to think about what I shared that Sylvia had said. We aren't using our voices, but how can God speak to us as we engage with the words of the songs in our mind? Perhaps mouth them, <laughs> perhaps use our bodies to express our worship with hands raised or as we bow down. Let's think about what deeper place God could bring us to. What could he be doing in our lives that when that arrow is unleashed from the bow, when we're allowed to sing again, what are we going to bring in worship? What are we going to bring before the Lord and community? So as we join together, um, I just really invite you to just don't let your mind wander. Focus on the words of the songs. Focus on what God is saying to you. At the end of that psalm earlier, it said, Today, if only you would hear his voice. God is longing to speak to us. Let's just be open to what he wants to say.